Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. Today, we are discussing episode 70 and 71 of Empresses in the Palace, Hogong Zhen Huan Zhuan. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. This podcast is in English with proper nouns pronounced in Mandarin Chinese. As always, we do first an episode recap and then discuss any interesting historical or plot details described in the episode. In the last episode, one of the main themes was the third prince's infatuation with the beautiful and lovely Ying Guiren. This paved the way to weaken the empress's support in the palace as we head into the end game. We are combining episode 70 and 71 because they are heavily plot-driven and focus on one thing. Defeating the Empress. I like to think of the Empress as a final boss if you're thinking of a movie or a video game. Jin Huan has defeated all of the Empress's lieutenants while developing a strong army herself. If we look at Jin Huan's team, you have Jin Guifei, you have Huang Guifei, formerly Duan Fei, Xing Ping, her adoptive son, the fourth prince, her own sisters, and at minimum Ning Ping. All of these ladies are very powerful, intelligent, and attuned to palace politics. What about the empress? She currently only has her servants and the third prince, her adoptive son. Now it is time to turn our attention to coming in for the kill. So what will happen in these two episodes? First and foremost is to cause the emperor to lose trust in both the third prince and the empress. How is this done? Well, the third prince was idiotic enough to serve himself on a platter. In the last episode, the third prince became infatuated with one of the emperor's women, the beautiful Ying Guiren. And so, he decided to write a love letter and send it to her. Unfortunately, this love letter was discovered by Jin Guifei, a member of Jin Huan's camp. Jin Guifei presents this evidence to the emperor who summons Jin Huan, the empress, and Ying Guiren. While Jin Guifei explains what she discovered, hoping to land a huge blow to the third prince and the empress, the empress is able to turn the tables and accuse Ying Guiren of seducing a prince. The emperor is furious and swiftly sentences Ying Guiren to death by hanging. The poor girl is dragged out crying that she's innocent, and unfortunately this is the last we see of her. Such a sad ending for her, and because the third prince couldn't keep his emotions in check, she died. Like, come on, buddy. We'll see his comeuppance later this episode, but I was like, God, this beautiful Mao Xiaotong, the actress had to die just because you're so stupid. <laughs> but even though the emperor sentenced her to death, the emperor is fully aware that she was innocent. He had to do this to protect the reputation of the imperial family and himself. He says as much to the third prince, who had been punished to pray in the royal temple in the palace. While the emperor does not raise his voice, he slaps the third prince twice. One, for being interested in his father's woman, and two, for being interested in the emperor's woman. 
The third prince is left crying and in shock of what transpired. Side note for me, when I first watched this, I was actually shocked at those two slaps in the face. Like, I think that's the most action the emperor has taken. The emperor is really, really angry here. But really, third prince, why on earth did you think that this was a good idea? Sending a love letter? Great job for you. You just killed a completely innocent woman. This certainly causes a rift between the emperor and his eldest son. The death of Yingguiren had collateral damage, though. The emperor is suspicious that the 17th prince and Yu Yin, Zhen Huan's younger sister, may have had a hand in telling Yingguiren to seduce the third prince. While this is obviously not true, the emperor becomes distant towards Zhen Huan. They had a frank conversation about how this looks. Zhen Huan has sons. Who would gain most if the third prince falls out of favor? The emperor admits it doesn't look good for her, Zhen Huan, and she is certainly saddened and annoyed that the emperor would entertain this type of wrongful suspicion on the 17th prince's household because they are completely innocent. However, this is quite true to the emperor's nature, so we're not necessarily surprised the emperor would think this way. And for those of you that need a reminder, it was Yu Yin that uh, gifted Ying Guiren to the emperor to become his concubine. We shouldn't feel too bad for Zhen Huan, though. As Jin Guifei finds out when trying to make up for acting too rashly on this matter, Jin Huan is actually pregnant again. This means that her current loss of favor will resolve itself, as the emperor will be pleased to hear there's another pregnancy. What I love about the scene is it again shows that Jin Guifei knows how to play the game in the palace, it's just when she decides to act. Here, it backfired on her, but her goal was to strike a blow to the Empress. Really, I thought this was very rash of Jin Guifei. She even admitted it herself. Jin Huan has now lost favor. The 17th prince, who has literally done nothing, is on pins and needles, even though he doesn't know it. And the poor Yingguan died for, I guess, something. But she doesn't know what. I think this whole situation could have been handled a bit more discreetly if Jing Guifei didn't blab her mouth. Well, the emperor acknowledges to Su Peisheng that he is most anxious about ties between the imperial court and the imperial harem. He is worried that everyone is calculating against him. Well, the emperor is not wrong. And the emperor must plan for that. This is further exacerbated by the pending preparations for the previous emperor Kangxi's birthday ceremonies. The empress wants the third prince to stand out during the proceedings. Unfortunately, it does seem the whole fiasco with Yingguiren has sowed the seeds of suspicion towards the third prince. During a meeting with a minister, the emperor finds out that the third prince has recruited ministers and scholars to discuss political matters or matters of state at his residence. This is a huge no-no. The emperor even points out this wasn't allowed under his father. Why? Well, that's basically building your own political faction. You are telling everyone that you want the throne. The emperor is getting more and more disappointed with the third prince, so much so that he doesn't immediately appoint him to lead the proceedings for the birthday celebrations. 
Now that the third prince has suffered a blow and has thoroughly annoyed the emperor, on to the empress. In a stroke of good luck, as Jin Huan is watching the prince and princesses play with each other, she is prompted by a sentence Princess Jinghe exclaims, which is, My sister chasing my sister. Yes, the translation, I'm trying to do a direct translation, and it is a little off in English, but this is similar to An Ling Rong's final words, where she said, The empress kill the empress. We discussed before how this could mean an action, as in, the empress, comma, go kill the empress, or a statement, the empress killed the empress. With this epiphany, Jin Huan discusses with Jing Guifei and Huang Guifei, who are with her watching the kids play in the palace, that could it be possible that the current empress killed the former empress Chun Yuan? That's your aha moment right there. This would be a bit of a stretch because the current empress and the former empress were sisters after all, but Huang Guifei shares the circumstances in which Chun Yuan died. It turns out, the current empress was first to marry the emperor, back then just the fourth prince, just a son of the emperor. The empress was also not the wife, but rather Ce Fujin, or secondary wife. The plan was for the empress to be promoted to the primary wife after she gives birth. But what happened? The empress's older sister, Chun Yuan, came to the household to take care of the empress while she was pregnant. But when the emperor met this older sister, he immediately fell in love and requested that she be named wife. The empress, being younger and born of a secondary wife herself, could not argue and just accepted this reality. Later, when Chun Yuan became pregnant, her pregnancy was extremely difficult. The empress was tasked with taking care of her older sister since she had a background in medicine. Sadly, Chun Yuan gave birth to a stillborn child, and she herself died soon after. Upon hearing this information, the trio of Jin Huan, Jin Guifei, and Huang Guifei surmise that the empress certainly had motive to kill her older sister. After all, Chun Yuan stole her husband and her coveted wife position. The trio agree to act cautiously and search for evidence of the empress's heinous crimes. But also, you realize once again that the emperor is a bully or just like a bad person because he promised um, the empress that he would promote her. But guess what? He fell in love with some other woman and snatched that position away from her. If there's anyone who's to blame here, I feel like it should be the emperor. Oh, 100%. Every, nothing would have happened if he just was like, okay, I will still have you as my wife. Well, the plot to bring down the empress almost falls into place a little too easily. The pregnancy is taking a toll on Jin Huan. She's not doing great and it's only four months. The imperial doctor, Wei Lin, is out of ideas and they have no choice but to summon Wen Shichu back from his self-imposed exile. After his examination, Wen Shichu delivers the unhappy news. The pregnancy will not last more than five months. Heartbroken, Jin Huan plans for her next step. If you couldn't tell, 
She plans to do to the Empress what the Empress was trying to do to her during An Lingrong's pregnancy. Which is why we say the plot uh, falls quite neatly into Jin Huan's lap here. The opportunity presents itself when the Emperor surprises Jin Huan with a present, a large shanhu or a precious coral. It is said to have mystical properties, so this should help Jin Huan with her pregnancy. Sure, of course, yes, that definitely works. Jin Huan, in a Stroke of Genius immediately requests for all of the concubines, including the Empress, to come and enjoy the coral, and said that in order to make sure there is enough good luck, the most powerful people in the palace should be in attendance. The Emperor agrees. Jin Huan says this to ensure that the Empress cannot refuse. The evening of the celebration, the Empress is delayed because, well, she doesn't want to come. She has no idea what Jin Huan is planning, but she doesn't want to take the blame if anything wrong happens either. I mean, she's smart. She knows Jin Huan's palace is a place she should avoid. Unfortunately for her, the emperor demands her presence and she has no choice but to come. This is also why Jin Huan is so smart. She does this in a way such that the empress cannot refuse. The episode ends with Jin Huan requesting that the four of them the Empress herself, Huang Guifei, and Jing Guifei place good luck charms on her bedside to ward off evil spirits. Episode 71 picks right up from where we left off. The Empress, Huang Guifei, and Jing Guifei all go ahead into Jin Huan's bedroom to place the charms, but Jing Xi delays Jin Huan for a moment. She is holding a bowl of medicine for Jin Huan to drink. This is the very prescription that Jin Huan requested earlier from the doctor to uh, aid in losing the baby. Xin Xi knew that this is that unique opportunity to take down the empress and nudges Jin Huan to make the decision. Jin Huan makes no comment but immediately drinks the concoction, turns around and enters the bedroom. The empress finds herself alone with the pregnant Jin Huan, and she is worried. You can see her eyes darting around. There's absolutely no way that Jing Guifei and Huang Guifei were not in on this, and purposefully left these two alone. Finally alone, Jin Huan lifts all pretenses and formally accuses the Empress of all the terrible deeds she's done, going so far as to grab the Empress's hand. The Empress is shocked and shakes off Jin Huan's hand, but then Jin Huan pushes herself onto a table. She cries out in pain as she knocks things over and passes out. All the while, the Princess Long Yue is hiding in the corner watching this unfold. Also, a little uh, side note, if you guys didn't realize when Jin Huan knocked herself into the table, her headpiece came off first. So I was reading the comments in, on YouTube, and I'm not sure if this is 100% correct, but apparently the reason why they did it is because the headdresses and headpieces that these ladies wore, the concubines wore, for this drama were actually all real. So there was no way that the, the cast or the crew were going to jeopardize such a valuable prop piece for this scene, which is why you see that um, the headpiece already like, kind of is gone when Jin Huan falls to the floor. 
Given the commotion, the emperor and the rest of the ladies rush in to see what happens. Zhen Huan is placed on her bed and the imperial doctors come to check on her. When she wakes, she's informed that the child has been lost. Of course, this was all part of Jin Huan's plan, but she puts on quite the show, crying and accusing the Empress of harming her child. She feeds into the Empress's dislike of her that the Emperor knows about. To her credit, the Empress does a pretty good job of defending herself and evoking an anecdote which we'll discuss later. She almost gets away with it, sowing enough doubt into the Emperor's mind, but the trump card comes in the form of Princess Long Yue, Jin Huan's eldest daughter. Long Yue starts crying and tells her father that she saw the Empress push Jin Huan. We all know that's a lie, but the Emperor takes this as proof that the Empress did it. I mean, you have to believe a six-year-old. They're not supposed to know how to lie, right? Oh, but little does he know. The emperor is furious and places the empress under house arrest. So now both the third prince and the empress are not favored. This isn't the end of them both, so Zhen Huan's team continues to act. Zhen Huan makes clear to her adoptive son, the fourth prince, that the third prince and the empress are connected. The fourth prince gets the hint and devises a very clever plot against his own brother, the third prince. The fourth prince meets his older brother and surreptitiously mentions that he went to visit their eighth uncle, who is currently imprisoned. This is strictly forbidden, and I don't think the fourth prince actually did this, but he cons his older brother into requesting clemency for these imprisoned uncles. This includes the eighth prince and the fourteenth prince. The fourth prince mentions how forgiveness of these uncles will reflect well on their father, the emperor. The poor third prince actually thinks that this is a wonderful idea and agrees he'll make the request. Unfortunately, this was probably the worst thing the third prince could have done. We have explained in this podcast series repeatedly about how the current emperor had to fight his brothers for the throne. He defeated his brothers, the eighth prince and the 14th prince, and had them imprisoned, not to mention six other brothers who uh, also vied for the throne. Therefore, when the third prince asks his father for forgiveness of these two uncles, his father, the emperor, becomes so furious that he tells the third prince to become the son of his eighth uncle. Moving forward, the emperor will no longer have this son. And this is during that all-important birthday ceremony. The third prince did pretty well, up until this point. The third prince, I mean, poor guy, is shocked and crying, but there's nothing that can be done. His father has made his final decision and the decree has been sent out, or the emperor told his eunuch to send out this decree. I mean, that's a, as final as it can get. With that, the third prince is now out of the picture. All that's left is the empress. We checked this and the fact that the third prince was moved to be the son of his eighth uncle is in fact true in history. His father was angry at his arrogant nature and this was his punishment. And sadly, this son died a year after uh, he was moved or removed from the imperial palace.
can we also say, how harsh is this? A father totally just sentenced his own son to death. I can't imagine how um, angry you are at your son, but man, the emperor totally just did this, which is, you know, I, I can't fathom that. Now let's get back to the empress. She is on her last legs, really, because she no longer has the third prince to lean on. The empress and her head maid, Jian Qiu, are shocked to hear the news of the third prince being, I guess, like, thrown out of the imperial palace. All those years of plotting to raise the future emperor have been wasted. Jian Qiu, the maid, is raging on behalf of her master and decides to take matters into her own hands. This turns out to be the Empress's undoing. Later one evening, the Emperor hosts a family dinner. In attendance are himself the Emperor, Jin Huan, Jin Guifei, their children, Nin Pin, the 17th Prince with his two consorts Yu Yin, and the heavily pregnant Meng Jinxian, and the 19th Prince and his wife Yu Rao. Notice how in this scene, it seems like Jin Huan's faction is basically all there to support her, right? We have everyone basically except for Meng Jinxian as like team Jin Huan right now. Jin Huan's son, the sixth prince, is very interested in the pregnant Meng Jinxian. Of course, we know it's because they're actually siblings, but Jin Huan continues to highlight that these two are cousins to avoid any suspicion. When a soup comes, the sixth prince asks Meng Jinxian to feed him, which she does. She first takes a sip of the soup to see if it's hot. But before she can feed any of the soup to the sixth prince, though, she starts coughing up blood. It turns out the soup was poisoned. Both the sixth prince and Jin Huan's bowls of soup were poisoned with the famous He Ding Hong. This poison shows up in pretty much every... Chinese drama, so we'll talk about it in a bit. The emperor orders an investigation on how these bowls of soup could be poisoned. Very quickly, the guards were able to apprehend Jian Qiu, the empress's head maid. She was the one to put the poison in the soups. I don't know if this is actually feasible because I feel like these bowls of soup would have been tested before uh, they were served to Jin Huan and her son, but... I guess for plot purposes, this, this is what happened. Jian Qiu shows absolutely no remorse for what she did and is dragged off to be tortured for information. The oddest part about this is that she is screaming at the emperor for not believing his wife, the empress, that she did not harm Jin Huan's child. I find that quite funny because, like, what about all the other terrible things that the empress has done in the past? So just because she was framed this one time, you're okay? Uh, with, you know, poisoning Jin Huan, but when your master is trying to kill all these other people, you're okay with it? Sure. With that, the Empress now has absolutely no more allies, and these servants are bound to spill some, if not all, of her secrets. After all, they are undergoing quite intense torture. As to Meng Jingxian, she gives birth to a son for the 17th prince, but since she was poisoned, sadly, she passes away. This actually works out quite well for Yu Yin, who, you know, doesn't get along with Meng Jingxian. 
But we find out that her pregnancy was a result of making the 17th prince drunk one night, which she feels badly for. The palace is saddened to hear of this death because she was completely innocent in all of this. It really was a stroke of bad luck that she drank the soup first instead of anyone else. These two episodes completely deplete the empress of any and all allies in the palace. Jin Huan and team are closing in to finally defeat this formidable foe. It's somewhat sad, to be honest, to see how weak the empress is because I feel like right now, you know, it's just Jin Huan coming in for the kill. She's completely isolated and weakened and really can't put much of a fight up anymore, the empress that is. Let's take a look at Jin Huan's faction now instead. Like, not only does she have amazing allies in the form of fellow concubines, but her adoptive son, the fourth prince, is incredibly cunning as well. He totally manipulated his brother into visiting their uncle, which was banned, and his brother didn't give it a second thought. This fourth prince also did not care whatsoever that he essentially sentenced his brother to death by his suggestion. That really shows how ruthless uh, this prince can be. Jin Huan's daughter, Long Yue, is also, dare I say, even more cunning and intelligent than her mother. This young princess takes to heart what her adoptive mother says earlier in the episode about protecting her birth mother, so what Jin Guifei said about protecting Jin Huan, and straight up lies in front of her father at age six. With a son and daughter like these, Jin Huan has absolutely nothing to worry about in the future. Phew, that was a lot for these two episodes. So why don't we head on over to the analysis? In episode 71, when the Empress was being accused of murdering Jin Huan's unborn child, the Empress says that she currently is similar to the Tang Dynasty's Wang Huanghou, or Empress Wang. Empress Wang was framed for killing another concubine, Wu Meinyang's infant daughter, and was severely punished for it. But the truth was that Wu Meinyang, this concubine, killed her own daughter in order to bring down the empress. What is the story? This is actually quite a famous one that is often portrayed in TV dramas as well. The concubine whose daughter was murdered is none other than the famous Wu Zetian, the one and only female emperor of China. There are many dramas and tales of the story, but essentially, when Wu Zetian was still a concubine, then commonly known as Wu Meinyang, this Wang Huanghou or Empress Wang was in power. The two women were at odds as Wu Meinyang was heavily favored by the emperor. And the emperor was Tang Gaozong or Li Zhi. Soon after Wu Meinyang's first daughter was born, the young princess was found dead in her crib. It was said that Wang Huanghou was just in the palace where the princess was, and without a strong alibi, the emperor, Li Zhi, was convinced of her guilt. This incident paved the way for stripping Wang Huanghou of her empress title and deposing the woman to become a mere commoner for the future. The catch is, it was never clear how the young princess died. There are stories that it was actually Wu Meinyang 
who murdered her own child in order to frame the Empress. We will never know. Regardless, though, this incident did really very much clear the way for Wu Meiyang to gain power, climb the ranks to become the Empress of the Tang Dynasty, and ultimately become the Emperor. As I said, this scene is portrayed in numerous Chinese dramas depicting this time period. Of the ones that we've seen, yes, Wang Huanghao was framed, but it was not Wu Meiyang who killed the child. Instead, it was some other character. Uh, but again, these are all liberties taken by the show, so we don't really know. In our current drama, this comparison is quite apt. The Empress is being framed for the death of a child that she did not kill. It was a powerful anecdote to bring up, but unfortunately for the Empress, a lying six-year-old princess quashed the Empress's hopes for a murky alibi. Although, Karen, my thought is, maybe Longyue wasn't really lying. Maybe to the kid, she just saw that there was a struggle. So it could be that Longyue knew to protect her mom or her mother, Si Fei, and to her, she wasn't lying. She was probably, in her mind, telling the truth. Maybe. Nope, I straight up think that Longyue was smart enough to lie. <laughs> One last item to talk about this episode is the poison that killed Meng Jingxian, but was originally planned for Jin Huan and her son. This poison is called He Ding Hong. This pops up in so many Chinese historical dramas at this point, it's almost a cliche. Whenever you see a poison, it's going to be like, oh, is it He Ding Hong? It pretty much is just arsenic, or the more scientific name, arsenic trioxide. The direct translation for this name is the red on top of a heron. Very poetic and pretty, right? Historically, it was believed that the red part of the heron on top of its head was poisonous, but we now know that it was not the case. Nowadays, the, uh, I guess, arsenic is supposed to be white, but back then, since the components were not pure, it turned red, thus the name um, the red on top of the heron. In modern day, there are some medicinal properties to it, but historically, this was a poison that people favored because it didn't have any taste or smell. Though, for the poison to kill, it would take much longer than what was displayed here. Meng Jingxian had one bite of the soup and started coughing blood. That's a little aggressive. We don't think that's true. I don't think what we've read, that's how quickly this poison works. But of course, for story purposes, they needed to uh, have her start coughing up blood before the son actually, you know, ingested any of this poison. Also, He Ding Hong has been mentioned a few times in this drama. Typically, when a concubine is sentenced to death in the palace, she normally has three choices. This poison, He Ding Hong, white silk, which is used to, you know, hang yourself, or a dagger. Not the most pleasant topic to end on, but uh, I found that very interesting to finally understand what this uh, He Ding Hong poison is. In the next episode, we will see what happens when the emperor finally realizes the extent of how much harm the empress has enacted on his family and the imperial palace. 
Thank you all so much for listening to our recap of episodes 70 and 71. As always, if you have any comments or questions, please feel free to reach out to us at Chasing Dramas on Instagram or Twitter or Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com. We will see you in the next episode.